Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. In the book of Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace, grace and peace from him which is, I'm going slow for a reason, I want you to hear it, grace and peace from him who is and uh, which is to come, which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. One translation says they are the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we see in the earth. They are named in the scriptures. And when I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit, we'll see that from the the word of God. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. Woo, listen to Jesus. Unto him that loved us, him that washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. Can I read that one more time? Verse 4, John, to the seven churches of of Abundant Life Christian Center, which are in Texas and other places, grace be unto you and peace. Everybody shout grace. Grace. And peace. peace. It's interesting that in Paul's writings and John's writings, let me just say this to you quickly, they use that term quite often, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. The word peace is a word that the the Jews would use often because Jesus, of course, is uh, Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of peace. And so they would say, peace to you, brother, peace to you, peace to you. Even before uh, Christianity uh, began to rise up there uh, among Jewish uh, people, they would use the term peace. Uh, The Gentiles, the Greeks and Romans and all, they didn't use the word peace that much just in their culture, but they would use the the word grace or favor. And so when the apostle Paul and when John writes to the churches, knowing that they have Jews and Gentiles both in there, uh, almost all of their letters, they would say grace and peace be given to you. How many of you are glad that we serve the God of grace and the God of peace? Real easy to identify with that. Uh, peace doesn't just mean the, the you know, cessation of, of a battle out here in the natural. It also means that the war has been won when the peace of God comes into your life, that you are no longer at enmity with God. You are at peace with God through one Christ Jesus, the Bible says. And His grace, His favor is upon you. Somebody said to me one time, they said, Pastor... So many good things are happening to me. I just had the favor of God on me. Favor just isn't fair, is it? I said, well, hallelujah, just receive all of it God wants to give you. I can tell you that. Don't even worry about fair and unfair. You let somebody else deal with that. But God will favor you. Listen, sometimes you'll go up to, I went up to the mall the other day. Oh, Lord, deliver me from that mall demon. 
I went up to the mall the other day and I, we drove around a little bit, or I did. This was, I was by myself in this particular time. And I just said, Lord, it'd sure be nice if I could just park up here real close because I have got something to do. And you know something? I drove back around, made a, a circle, and right up there, right near the very uh, front, there was a spot open, and I just took it. And they had that thing painted with a nice wheelchair on it and everything. It was so nice. No, that's not true. That part's not true. But there, there it was. And, and you say, well, uh, those things are going to open up all the time. Well, that's fine. You call it what you want. I call it favor. It was a blessing from God. Uh, listen, if you're out Valentine shopping, you know, you look, somebody will almost mob you over chocolate candy. Oh my goodness. So you need the favor of God in your life. Uh, you need the grace of God in all of its manifestation and in every area of your life. I don't know about you. I thank God that I live in the 21st century. I do. I thank God for right guard and ban and, and, and all of that stuff. Oh, I thank God for toothpaste. How many of you think we ought to bless God even if we just have one tooth? Come on, we ought to give God all the praise, shouldn't we, huh? How many of you glad you didn't have to go split firewood to be able to boil water today? All you did was turn on the... Well, for those of you that are under 40, you'll not understand this. But everybody else, you just had to turn on the stove, put the water and let it start boiling a little bit. And it was clean water too. The rest of us, we just punched the button and the microwave came on. Praise God. We have the grace and the peace of God in our lives in so many dimensions. In this particular uh, uh, passage, when Paul begins, uh, John begins to write to the church and, and God has given him a revelation out on the Isle of Patmos where he was. And he begins to pin it down after the fact. He begins to write it down and begins to share it with uh, the seven churches of Asia Minor. He addresses them immediately. You've got to remember, this guy's been dipped in oil. He's been tortured. He's everything in the world. They've tried to kill him. And he's still talking about grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. How many of you are glad that it's never uh, so difficult in life that you cannot give God the praise and the glory and thank him that you have his grace on your life and you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Listen, we got to sweeten it up, church. Uh, the body of Christ has to keep that joy of the Lord flowing in your life. That's not just for when you're in your 20s. It's not just for when you're in your 30s. The Spirit of God on the inside of you and that joy should not just come from your personality. It should come from your relationship and your revelation that you have that Jesus is Lord and every negative circumstance can change at any moment. At any moment, things can change. And we're just giving God the grace, uh, the, the glory. We're blessing his name for that uh, at all times. Uh, just like Paul and Silas. Come on, you guys know the story. They're in jail. They're in prison. It's midnight. And the clock's ticking and their judgment is about to come. And they just decide, well, if we're going to go out of here, we're going out giving God the glory. 
And they began to sing praises at midnight. And as they did, uh, the Spirit of God, I'm, I don't know how God did it, the Bible doesn't say. All we know is the prison just began to crumble around them. I believe in my spirit. I like to have this uh, image. Maybe it's my imagination, but just humor me if it is. I believe as those guys under that great affliction, they begin to praise God while they're in prison. And, you know, God's got a lot of jail ministries in the Bible. Uh, understanding that every one of the apostles at some time or another were prisoners. Uh, and so I believe there's jails that are full today of people who are going to become tremendous evangelists for Jesus Christ. Amen. Great leaders for God. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't eliminate anybody. They might have made a mistake. They might have gotten uh, done what they shouldn't have done. The difference in them and you is they got caught and you didn't. Watch out. Brother Justin West is here. No, thank God that Jesus, uh, he'll go anywhere you are. He said, you visited me when I was in prison. And they begin to praise and magnify the Lord. And the scripture says that jail just fell apart around them and all of their bondage broke off. Can I tell you, if you're going through oppression, depression, any form of emotional attack, much less physical and natural in the world right here, you should never, ever, never lose your praise. Understand the grace of God is on you. And at any time, listen, right on that row you're sitting at right now, at any moment, miracles could be happening for people that are all around you, including yourself. Sure. Somebody walked into the building today and they're physically hurt in their body and they're going through all of those things. They're going to walk out of here and the pain's going to be gone. They're going to be well. And Nahum 1.9 says it isn't going to come back again either. Sure, it happens all the time. Sometimes we learn about it, sometimes we don't. Either way, we know that God never fails. So John writes, let's read it one more time, and then I'll preach my message. I'm just warming up. John to the seven churches, which are in Lamarck, grace and peace be unto you, Asia, and from him, which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, spirit of love, spirit of power, spirit of might, spirit of reconciliation, the Bible talks about all seven of them. And from Jesus Christ, everybody shout Jesus. Jesus. Now let's watch this. He is the faithful witness. He is the first begotten of the dead. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, he washed us from our sins in his own blood. He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When Jesus, now you can just kind of look up this way for a moment now. When Jesus came, I know that his assignment, I guess, was to purchase salvation and to fulfill the plan that God had when he sent his only begotten son. There are many things in the Bible that talks about sons and sons and daughters. But the scripture says that Jesus is the only begotten of the father. 
and so even though he had a human body, the Bible says he was born of the Spirit. He was born of God. Uh, I have a mother and father in heaven today. I was begotten of my parents. They were begotten of their parents. Uh, Catherine and Jennifer were begotten of me and Cindy. Their children were begotten of them. Uh, there are in this building right now, there are many sons and daughters in this house right here. But you're only begotten from one place. Amen. You were birthed or born uh, because of the one who begot you. He begat you. In the natural. By the same token, the scripture emphatically says that Jesus, everybody shout his name one time, Jesus. is the only begotten of the Father. That's his God's only son, uh, the begotten of the father, the Bible says. He came to earth and he had the father's blood. Uh, now are we the sons of God. When Jesus is your Lord, the Bible says, now are we the sons of God, the apostle Paul says. It does not yet appear what we shall be like in eternity, but when we see him, we will be like him. Oh, Hallelujah. And so you and I have been begotten of the Father through Christ Jesus, the Bible says. I get pretty excited thinking about it. And then you begin to see why God sent Jesus. And here in this last book of the Bible, this is very important to get it. Uh, churches and religions and philosophies and, and Christianity preaches a lot of things and speaks a lot of things about Jesus and uh, let's assume that uh, a lot of it is accurate and good, and we thank God for everybody that loves the name of Jesus. Come on, shout amen. amen. But let me tell you what the Bible says about it. There are seven things right here for why Jesus came. Now, I'm not going to preach seven hours to you on this today. I promise you I could. But when John begins to talk about the book of Revelation and reveal what God has told him, about uh, what was, what is, and what is to come. He talks about before Jesus in the first three chapters. He'll talk about before Jesus was here. Then he talks about his earth ministry when he was here. And then he talks in the bulk of the book about what's going to happen afterwards. And he talks about the one who is and is to come. Was and is and is to come. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. In other words, you're trying to have a relationship with God just through Abraham. But before Abraham was ever on the scene, I was on the scene. I already had my relationship with the Father. That's what Jesus was saying. And so he says it like this. Uh, he said, he was, is, and is to come. And he is called the faithful witness. He is called the first uh, begotten uh, of the dead. Woo, that's a word. He was born of the dead, the Bible. I wish I could. Shoot. Jesus, don't, don't make me go there today. <laughs> the third thing, uh, he's called the prince of the kings of the earth. He is the prince over all the kings. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord, capital L of lords. The fourth thing, it says, he loved us. Everybody shout, he loved us. Then it says he washed us. Come on, shout that out loud. It says he washed us with his own blood. And then it says he made us. Come on, shout he made us. Yes. Say it like this. He loved us. He loved us. 
He washed us. He made us. You've got to get a big understanding. And John writes seven things so we'll understand the purpose of Jesus and his work. Too many times we just see the movie and and, and we're emotionally uh, stirred because of the trauma that Jesus went through because I call them Middle East terrorists, attacked him and tortured him until they killed him. Uh, But God had a plan. And if we understand the plan, he didn't just come to die without a purpose for that. The purpose was he was going to, the scripture says, uh, because of his love, he loved us. He came because man could not save themselves. They had to have a savior. And listen, guys, it was a blood issue. I said it was a blood issue. The Bible says that in the last days, wars will increase. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Those are two different words. One is the word that we get the word uh, genetic and blood from, and the other is the word we get the word political skirmish from. There are two different ones. One's a boundary war, and the other is a blood war. There are two kinds of wars. There are political wars that fight over boundaries and things like that. Uh, Jesus said that in the last days, and there will also be blood wars, ethnic wars, and the, the Greek word is the word ethnos, and it's, uh, they're ethnic wars. And all over the planet today, there are ethnic wars that are going on constantly. You go into the Middle East today, and, and the Sunnis will be killing the Shiites. Just an ethnic war. They'll kill a thousand times more themselves than ever happens uh, because the U.S. or some other country comes in there. It's horrible. It's an ethnic war. Back in the 80s, when I was going to uh, the Republic of Ireland, uh, North Ireland and South Ireland. North Ireland was uh, belonged to England, to the UK, and so it was predominantly Christian. South Ireland was all uh, uh, Roman Catholic back in those days when we first started going. Today, it's different, but that's what it was in the 80s. Now listen, and they were killing each other, blood wars. Just, just killing each other over the blood wars. Well, Jesus said in the last days those things would take place. But here's what he said. I do have a solution. There's a blood problem on this planet, but there's a blood solution. And so when John starts writing about Jesus, he says that Jesus uh, is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. He loved us. He washed us with his own blood and he made us kings and priests. Oh, my goodness. And the Bible says of Jesus that he is the king of kings. Come on, shout, king of kings. Kings. Well, that means that if you have a relationship and a revelation of who Jesus is, you should begin to look up and understand that your father is a king and that Jesus is the capital K, king of all little K, kings. Oh, I'm just no good. I can't ever do anything. Oh, I don't know why everybody else gets ahead in life and I don't. Oh, listen to me. Start from this point right here. My father is a king. And Jesus is the king of kings. And he is the real king. I'm just a little king. And the scripture says that he has made us kings and priests. That's a whole teaching in itself, I promise you. But you and I, one thing priests could do, a priest could go to God. In the old covenant, priests could go to God. 
You were not supposed to go just make your own sacrifice and go to God. Under the, uh, in the old covenant, you were supposed to have a priest. Some of you grew up in, in, in Catholic churches or in other churches. I'm not, you know, getting on anybody. I'm making a statement, so calm down. But you thought you had to go to a priest before you could talk to God. Amen. I've got good news for you. That your father loved you so much, he made you a priest and he put the great high priest over you and you can go to the father. There's no other way that you can go through the father except through Jesus. Me and everybody else on the planet can pray for you. But it wouldn't make any difference if Jesus was not the activator of what we're doing. You can jump over in that spiritual realm all you want. But you don't want that thing that you connect in there to follow you home if you've gone into that realm outside of the blood of Jesus. So we'll just stick with the one who is the way, the truth, the life, the door. The one who loved us, the one who washed us, and the one who made us qualified to go and talk to the Father and get answers in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody shout Jesus blood. And then he says, and he gave all glory and dominion unto him. So there are seven things that he talks about, about Jesus. Seven, you see seven in the scriptures a lot, actually. And that number is there and because it's a number of completion. If I had a title for today, I would call this how to go from defeat to complete. Is that all right? Say it with me. How to go from defeat to complete. And I'm not talking about complete defeat. I'm talking about complete victory, being made whole. Uh, the number seven in the scriptures means completion or wholeness. Oftentimes you see it in relationship to God's uh, action toward men, men and women. Uh, there, there are several of them. Joshua, everybody shout Joshua. How many times did the children of Israel march around the walls? Seven times. And there was a time they shouted. How about Naaman? You remember Naaman the leper? How many times was he supposed to dip in Jordan? He was just not six, but seven. That was giving glory to God that he had completely obeyed the Lord. Uh, uh, Joseph, how many of you mean, remember Joseph when he had a dream and he dreamed of seven fat years, prosperous years, and seven years of famine? And those things came to pass uh, later on. How about King Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar, uh, because of what he had done, he had seven years of punishment that came upon him. And then afterwards, of course, the mercy of God uh, was activated upon him and he got out of that and he decided, I better live for God or else I'm tired of eating grass like a cow. When you read Jesus, prayer, there are seven petitions. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. There's seven of them that you can find right there. Seven's an interesting number. Uh, if you remember when Jesus in Matthew 13 was teaching the parables, there's seven parables that he taught. They're kingdom principles of, of character, lifestyle, and godly living. They're very necessary in our lives. Jesus uh, took seven loaves one time and blessed them and multiplied them and fed multitudes of people with that. Y'all remember that, don't you? And when Jesus was on the cross, there are seven times that he spoke when he was on the cross. 
Uh, Seven was literally God's message toward us. And God would use seven oftentimes to define that. And I just gave you about seven or so of them right there that you see uh, seven of the sevens that, that you'll see. And there's others that are in the scripture. Now, it's important to get this in your spirit today. When uh, before the book of Revelation even begins to get unfolded to us, John writes and he says, look, there's seven things about Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to get out here and get real weird when it comes to the, to the book of Revelation. You need to keep these seven things in order because this is why Jesus came. And the first thing he said, and it's the only one I'm going to talk about anymore for a moment. The first thing he said was, he is the faithful witness. Amen. Come on, somebody shout, faithful witness. Amen. Now look, when you begin to read in the scriptures about Jesus, and even when you pray and you talk to God, and you want that grace and that peace, that favor, and, and that relationship to be activated that you have. You're not at enmity. You're not separated from God. You're at peace with God. The Bible says he has broken down the middle wall of partition that divides and out of two he's made one. You become one with God through Jesus Christ. Very important to hear that. The, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about it and, and uh, because of time, now my time's almost up, but I want you to get this in your spirit. Uh, Jesus came and the first thing God revealed, oh Lord, help people understand this is that Jesus was the faithful witness about God the Father, about his plan and everything he had for your life. Jesus never went around making people sick. And he witnessed that the Father doesn't want you sick. I don't care what theologians say, nor anyone else talking about how God does this to you to teach you something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you please go on to heaven and quit teaching that bad doctrine? The faithful witness proved when he was witnessing the work of the kingdom of God and of his father that he is the healer. And even at Calvary, he had stripes placed on his back to release not just healing in us, but healing anointings for us. He said, the work that I do, you're going to do it even greater. Come on, somebody shout faithful. faithful. And sometimes people talk about, about God like he's just real mean. It must be God. God must be getting them. Coronavirus, that's God's judgment. Sorry, the faithful witness never said that one time. You can, you can rationalize it with as much conjecture and everything as you want. That's the wage of sin. That's the curse that's in the earth today. And Jesus, the head of the church, said before uh, he wraps this whole thing up in Matthew 24 and 25, there'd be more of that that would take place. But in the day that we live in, Jesus isn't around uh, putting that stuff on people, but he is the one that'll heal them. Amen. Look, there are millions of Christians that live in that Wuhan area and all around that area in China. And some of them may have that virus. You think God put that virus on them? No, God didn't put that virus on them. The wage of sin produces death. And so the very curse of death is in the earth. And it can come many different ways. But the faithful witness said, I have an answer for it. There's healing in Jesus. Come on, Malachi 4 says that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. More than once I've read that and the Holy Ghost will say to me, you need to pray today that the Son of God, uh, the Son of Righteousness rises with salvation in His wings. That he, he rises with peace in His wings. 
that he rises with that power of the Holy Ghost in his wings today. He's all of those things. Uh, he's a faithful witness. Well, that person got in sin over there. And when they get in sin, I'm just telling you, God's just going to get them. Well, if that's the case, he'd have done got you. Sure. But the faithful witness said, bring that woman over there. What, what happened? She was caught in adultery. He wasn't validating and justifying adultery. But the law was saying, we caught her and some guy in the very act. Well, you peeping Tom, you. <laughs> Pervert, what are you doing watching anyway? The law says we're supposed to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus said, hmm. Y'all got a pencil? Got a stick I can write with? Get out here in the dirt. They start walking off. I wouldn't be surprised as they're walking off. He's just writing some more stuff about them. Yeah, this is your sins right here, partner. Yeah. This is one we go, uh, you, you ought to be stoned for then if you do that. Uh, but instead, when Jesus looked up, all of the accusers were gone. And the faithful witness looked at her and said, I don't accuse you either. Just go and sin no more. Just stop what you're doing. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Stop it. Let the love of God and the power of God and the goodness of God make you whole. Remember when Jesus went one time to the well? Y'all know the well in Samaria? The faithful witness was at that well that day. He was there, and here comes a woman up there, and Jesus is thirsty. And the woman thinks, first of all, that Jesus is hitting on her. Sure. And then she says, well, you Jews, you know, y'all never, I can't even believe you're even speaking to me. And Jesus said, lady, if you knew what I have to offer you, you would ask me to give you the water that I possess. And she said, you don't even have a bucket that you can draw out of that well. Well, I like how Jeremiah says it. With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. Woo, glory to God. <laughs> Jesus said, if you ever drink of the water that I can offer you, you will never thirst again. And she became the first evangelist in the Bible. And, and Jesus began to minister to her. And he said, go call your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And then the anointing of God got on him, kind of like Gustavo Paez does. Only Gustavo has his anointing. Jesus anointed him. And he said, oh, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. What? She said, you must be a prophet. He said, yeah, I'm not a loss. That'll sink in. <laughs> and the faithful witness forgave her, turned her life around instead of judging her and condemning her. And she goes and she brings everybody from the city out and became a great evangelist. The faithful witness, he doesn't care if you're male or female. He knows how to change your life because he's faithful to bring that witness of the Holy Ghost in salvation, in deliverance, in provision, Enjoy that's indescribable, but it sure is glorious. But it's full of glory, the Bible says. He'll bring the Holy Spirit and he is faithful. 
He will forgive every time you ask him. He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's the faithful witness. You say, you better be careful, Pastor. You'll be giving people a license to sin. I don't have anything to do with it. My experience is when Jesus is the Lord of your life, you don't want to sin. If you sin, go in the name of Jesus to the Father, get set free, rise up and walk and serve God in fullness of joy. Turn from that other. The faithful witness is there. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He bought you. He loves you. He washed you with his own blood. Oh, hallelujah. He forgives. He saves. And he's faithful to the work of the Father. He always has been and he always will be. He made all of us out of one blood. All humans, all men are made of one blood, the Bible says. One blood. And that blood of Jesus will wash you, make you whole, and give you the divine purpose for why God created you. Come on, would you just begin to worship the Lord? Sergio, you guys come help me. God is in this house right now. The Spirit of God is in this house. He is not a God of condemnation. He's the God that will change your very inner man and help you break all feelings of guilt, rejection, inability. He's the God who loves you, the Bible says, with a never-ending love, endless love. The one who's the same, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. He's a faithful witness. Listen to me. He's faithful even if you think you're not faithful sometimes. There's no such thing as calling on the Father in the name of Jesus and Him not hearing you. Because He is faithful. And He is just to make us completely new and whole. And then there's six more powerful things about his ministry. Before you get over into Revelation 13 and 19 and just pass over those first ones and get to all of the abstracts and things that are there. Won't you just take those seven in verse five and six and watch God just make your life where you're not even normal anymore. Just change you. Deliver you. Provide Open doors favor you. Oh, and He's faithful in those things too. He's faithful. Don't ever let the devil tell you that our God is not faithful. Don't ever let him tell you that Jesus is not faithful. He's faithful. He cannot tell a lie. The enemy will trap people in their own mind. Block them off. Cube them in. Get them focused in with blinders. And then introduce 
the very concept of impossibility. It's not possible to get out of this. It's never going to change. And the moment he finally gets a person there, if the enemy ever gets somebody like that in their mind, it takes a revelation to get them out of it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Can I just say this? You've never lived a day on planet Earth that's not changing. You've never lived a day on planet Earth that everything is not changing. And that circumstance that you may feel like is so impossible and you don't know how it's going to change. I tell you in Jesus' name, while you're sitting in the house of God, it's changing right now while you're sitting here. And God is faithful. And all through the scriptures, the impossibilities were there, but they refused to let their minds get so. Woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, and it's over. No money, no health, incurable. And then she heard about Jesus, the faithful witness. And here he was witnessing the will of God and the plan of God for salvation, for Jews, for Gentiles, for every man and woman, for the rich, for the poor, for male, and just as much for females. Jesus is the great liberator of the oppressed female race. Sure he is. Always has been. You say, well, I don't believe in those women preachers. That's the problem. No, he's a faithful witness. He says there's no difference, male or female, Jew or Greek. He's talking about in the kingdom of God. The ability of God for God to use you. Sure. Well, besides that, you can't tell a woman to shut up. I love women. Cindy and I raised three of them. My mama was a woman. How about y'all, huh? She was a preacher. My daddy got tired. My mama just picked the mic up and started preaching. Amen. Didn't make any difference. Cindy and I have raised preachers. Male, female, doesn't make any difference. He's faithful. Maybe the enemy has just tried to tell you there's just no way out. I'm not sure who I'm talking to today. But I tell you in Jesus' name, the faithful one isn't going to let you go until you say, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Because he's faithful to the Father to fulfill that mission. And that mission was from beginning to eternity. Was, is, and is to come. Maybe I'm talking to someone who says, I feel like I'm in this thing and it's just not going to change. I've got a word for you today. I came preaching this word for you. Faithful. He's faithful to the Father's plan. And he witnessed it in all of his actions and deeds. That's who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support 
Uh, men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.